From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. In each episode of this podcast, we talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, Pat Fliggy spoke with Sarah Richwine, class of 2009, the Associate Director of Athletics for Compliance and Student Athlete Services at the University of New Haven. As we do with most of these interviews, we began the conversation by asking how and when Sarah became interested in her occupation. I would say it has been definitely an interesting journey. Everyone that I have talked to in in a position like mine has had kind of a different path there. So obviously I was a student athlete at Muhlenberg College. I played lacrosse. I also ran cross country. So for as long as I can remember, there's always been an emphasis on athletics in my life. And when I was applying to law school, I thought, how can I kind of merge these two fields, athletics and law? And I almost applied to a law school. I almost went to a law school in Maryland that just opened a sports law institute. But I thought, well, what if this ends up not being my passion? So I ended up going to Quinnipiac University up here in Connecticut, tried to get kind of a liberal arts-based education, much like Muhlenberg. And in my third year, I took sports law as a class. And I said, yep, this is still what I want to do. So I, I did ask for some guidance as to how do you break into this field? There's so many different facets of sports law that you can get into. You can be an agent, you can work on the professional level, and you can obviously work at a university. So I actually grew up on campus at Muhlenberg College. My mom's a professor there. So I thought, what a great opportunity to be able to work every day with college students on a college campus. So after I graduated from law school, I actually went back home and I just reached out to Lehigh University and said, hey, do you have any opportunities for me to volunteer and just learn kind of what does a compliance office look like? So I was really, really fortunate that Taryn Gall over at Lehigh took me under her wing. She introduced me to all things compliance. And she also really opened the door for me to advance in my career as far as networking, which is pretty much the most important part of many careers. So I ended up going to a women's conference through the NCAA as a representative of Lehigh, and I just loved it. I met so many women who were athletic directors who were just breaking into the field. And I thought this is really something I'd like to get involved in. Fast forward a little bit because I did end up moving back to Connecticut and I took a couple law jobs. So for about a year or so, I got into litigation And I said, yes, this is exactly what I didn't want to do when I went to law school. So I was fortunate enough then to have been able to leave that job and look for some more volunteer opportunities. That's probably the most important part of diving into this field is just being able to say no job is too small. And I reached out to Amy Strickland up at Central Connecticut State University and said, hey, let me just pick your brain. Um, I'd love to just know what you do on a daily basis. And we met for coffee, we hit it off. And she said, I could really use some help. So I went up there and I worked with her and Molly McCarthy was my other compliance advisor. And it was a volunteer opportunity. It was supposed to be maybe just a couple of days a week, ended up going four to five days every single week, loved it. And I was brought on then as a compliance assistant. So then I got further opportunities. They were able to see that my skill set really lent well to what they needed. And then they were able to trust me to 
basically run the day in, day out of certain facets of that department. So then I was there for just over a year and the assistant athletic director for compliance position opened at University of Bridgeport. And I took that and I was there for about four years. And then I took this position at University of New Haven at the end of 2019. So um, kind of just working up the ladder. It's always, every school has been completely different. The demographic has been different. The amount of sports and different types of sports has been different, but everything's been really a great way to get a good understanding for NCAA collegiate athletics. And it's, it's been a really unique career and it's been a really enjoyable one. That's awesome, Sarah. I'm so glad that you describe it as an enjoyable career. Do you have a typical workday? And if you do, what does that look like? That's so funny because that was the question that I asked compliance people when I asked them just to, to get a, a grip on what they were doing. And everybody said, huh, that's a good question. And I thought to myself, Pat's probably going to ask me that. And it is a good question because every day is different and it depends on the time of year, depends on the time of the week. I cover, I'm a one person shop. I have a graduate assistant. That's it. We have 18 varsity sports right now. So I'm responsible for all things, recruiting, eligibility, playing and practice seasons, financial aid. So in any given week, we might be issuing national letters of intent during the signing period or reviewing incoming freshmen to make sure that they will be eligible. We also have name, image, and likeness that just passed through the NCAA. So that's, that's a brand new thing. Everyone's kind of trying to get a grasp on how we are going to handle that. So opportunities like that are passed through my office and I have to approve them and just make sure we're protecting our student athletes and, and they're not being taken advantage of. One part of my career that I really like is being able to have a student athlete who might be either struggling or not meeting eligibility standards and getting them eligible. It's pretty much the most satisfying thing to have a, a kid who is coming out of high school. Maybe they're short, maybe they need some type of waiver submitted and we can work on that. And then we get to see them excel on the playing field. So that's a really rewarding part of this. I do all things NCAA reporting. So that's probably the most, I don't want to say boring, but boring part of my job is just a lot of re reporting to make sure that we are staying in compliance with the NCAA. And we are also, you know, making sure that we have enough people graduating every year and that those standards are being upheld as well. The really cool part of my job is that I do get to be present at games. When I was at University of Bridgeport, I actually traveled with teams all the time. And back in 2018, our women's soccer team went to the NCAA final four and ended up winning the national championship. So that's probably the memory that I will keep in my brain forever, how cool it was. Cause how many opportunities will you have to witness a national championship game in any sport? Sarah, how has your job and your industry been affected by the pandemic? Much like every industry, it's been tough to navigate. I think we have a pretty good grasp now we're back on campus, which is obviously a huge part of my day in day out. I would say, so back in fall of 2020, all of our fall sports were canceled. So we didn't get to play a single game in any of those sports during that semester. It was really tough. It was tough on the student athletes. I think it can be hard to have an identity tied to being an athlete and then not be able to go out on the court, go out on the, the playing field and actually perform. So we made sure that we put some things in line for them to, to work on, you know, they could, they could practice, they could lift weights, but they weren't able to 
have that camaraderie and have that joy of being able to compete and feel like they were coming together as a team. So I'm actually the um, student athlete advisory committee advisor. So it's representatives from each team and they vote on NCAA legislation, but they also do a lot of community service and engagement and fundraising. And the division two charity of choice is actually Make-A-Wish. So we said, okay, we can't compete this fall. What can we do with this extra time? Let's try to find that silver lining. What can we do with this extra time to make a difference in other people's lives? So we ended up launching a um, Make-A-Wish Week, which was all virtual. We ran it over Instagram, which is pretty incredible. And it culminated at the end with a polar plunge into the Long Island Sound. So we put ourselves, we said, all right, we're going for a $10,000 goal. I said, this is really lofty. I was very concerned. But we, on the day of the polar plunge, we not only met our goal, we exceeded it. So in one week, we raised, I think it was almost $12,000. And we were able to then grant a wish to a local kid that December. So then we came back in the spring and fundraised some more. We did what was called Workout for Wishes. And we ended up ending the year just short of $18,000 for Make-A-Wish. And we ended up being number one in the nation for Division Two. So it was things like that, that we tried to do to utilize the time that we had and make it meaningful. But the industry itself, I mean, it has suffered because if you look at the NCAA and you couldn't have March Madness, and these are huge financial constraints that are put upon the conferences, the schools. We were fortunate that we were all kept on full time, but a lot of schools had a lot of furloughs. They had, you know, a lot of layoffs and things that really affected just the, the personnel. And then obviously some places have had to cut sports to make up for budget deficits. So I think we've been really fortunate that we haven't had to do any of that, but it's been hard for the industry. And it was nice last spring that we were able to come back and we played, we had a full spring season. It wasn't without its hiccups because we tested for COVID nonstop. And if there was any exposure or anything, we needed to adjust our schedules and whatnot. So it showed how flexible we all need to be. And I actually think hopefully we'll all come out of the pandemic feeling like we've gotten new skills on how to make our jobs more effective remotely if we need to, or just how to kind of put some flexibility into our jobs and maybe try not to sweat the small stuff too much because there's been a lot of a lot of things that we've had to deal with and it hasn't been easy. It wasn't easy at the start of this pandemic when I had a one-year-old running around and I'm trying to work, my husband's trying to work and it was like, okay, how are we going to do this? We hope this doesn't last forever. So it's been tough, but I think we're hopefully coming out of it as far as finding ways to get our athletes on the court, on the field, on the track. And we're just trying to do the best that we can to get back to normal a little bit. What are the most challenging and rewarding aspects of your job? I'll start with the most rewarding because I, as I alluded to earlier, it's really rewarding to have a student athlete who maybe isn't eligible coming into the school and being able to get them situated and then see them on the Dean's list and see them excelling on, on their team. I think that's the most rewarding is being able to genuinely just help kids who want to further their athletics. They want to further their education and they're willing to put in the work. And it's just great to be able to see them overcome a lot of challenges. And it's nice to be able to lend a small part of that. I often 
say it's just my job, you know, that's, it's my job to help them and to get them to where they need to be. But I never take for granted when kids say, I really appreciate what you did for me, or, you know, coaches are appreciative because sometimes it can be a thankless job. So I take those little things and just, you know, that's a really rewarding part of this job for me. The most difficult part of the job for me, I think just managing everything and making sure that we have 500 athletes that are out there and they're eligible every day. It can be hard to keep up with, but you have to stay incredibly organized in this position. And that's definitely been one of my strongest traits. I'd say it's also challenging to break into this field when you maybe don't know anybody or you don't have a skill set that you quite know how to apply to the job. And I know we talked about the anniversary of Title IX, and it's it's definitely come a long way for women, but it can be it can be hard to break into a field that has been so male dominated for so long, um, and really getting your foot in the door and getting yourself positioned to get the positions that you earn. I'm thinking back to what you mentioned earlier in your career, where you tried litigation and realized this isn't what I want, and you really wanted to make that pivot back to sports. How did you handle that? How did you handle that experience of being in a job where you realized this really isn't for me? I was very fortunate that I had saved a lot of money at that point. And I could say, okay, what would be the best way to get me in a position to work in athletics? So when I left that job, I took some legal work on the side that I was able to do, which, which helped supplement, but I kind of had to just be okay with working for nothing. And trust me, that time period was not an unhappy time period in my life. Um, I, I was so excited every day that I went up to central, it was a 45 minute drive, which is not a great commute for me. And my commute now is five minutes, but it really goes to show what a wonderful experience it was because I was so eager to learn. I mean, I sat and I read the NCAA manual front to back and somehow I didn't fall asleep. I don't think I have done that since that initial time that I did it, but I really had to just say to myself, this is going to be so worth it down the line. And it really was. I mean, I have just built upon my career and it was all because somebody gave me a shot and I took full advantage of it. And I didn't, I didn't take it for granted for one second. What guidance or advice would you give to someone interested in doing what you do? I would say, don't be afraid to reach out to people you don't know. It can be really awkward to cold call someone and say, Hey, I'd love to sit down and pick your brain. If they're willing to give you the time, then that's a huge step because there isn't always a lot of free time in this role. And I can tell you that people who are willing to help you have probably been helped by others as well. So I always try to make sure if someone reaches out to me for career advice or an internship or graduate roles, I always try to make sure that I'm giving them the same attention and guidance that I received because I wouldn't be where I was if it weren't for others. Could you talk a little bit about the law school choice too? Because I know you mentioned before that there were some programs that were sports specific. The one you went to wasn't necessarily, you still were able to come into sports. So any advice you have, if someone has sort of an idea of what they want to practice in, how important that law school choice might be. There are so many different avenues that people have taken to get in the position I'm in. I haven't heard the same story twice. I can say that it wasn't so much what I studied in law school, so much as the skill sets that I developed when I was there. So being able to look at NCAA bylaws and do interpretations, being a good writer and being able to 
work on legislative relief waivers and occasionally you have to report NCAA violations. So being able to be an effective communicator was huge. Being able to have conversations with people from all different backgrounds and experience levels. Every day I talk to student athletes, coaches, administrators. I call people at the NCAA, people at the conference level. I speak with school counselors to make sure that high schools are doing what they need to to get people eligible. So I think the skills that I learned in law school translated very effectively into this career. I was kind of all over the place with what I studied. I loved learning environmental law. I did a lot in criminal law and I actually did um, an internship at the district attorney's office in Allentown one of my summers. So I was kind of all over the place making sure that I wasn't missing something that I was going to end up having a passion for. But it was when I did that sports law class, I thought, this is it. This is I came full circle and I'm glad that I gave myself all of those different opportunities. Sometimes when you, when you know what you want, you, when you know, you know, it's one of those things. So I, I knew when I was doing the litigation that it just wasn't what I was interested in. And I was doing mostly foreclosures and whatnot. So it wasn't very uplifting. Like I said, I was just really fortunate that the timing matched up once I left that job to be able to go to another job. Is there a misconception we might have from the outside about what your role looks like versus what you see on a day-to-day basis? I would say most of my job is behind the scenes. So sometimes when you hear compliance, you're thinking specifically law, which it's more NCAA compliance. It's more complying with the rules and regulations of the NCAA, the institution and the conference. And almost everything that I do is behind the scenes, which is why I said sometimes it can be kind of a thankless job. I'm not the the coach out on the field making sure that people score goals, but I am the person who made sure that that person was able to get a transfer waiver so that they could become immediately eligible. I was the person who was able to get that kid into the right courses so that they could get the GPA that they needed to compete. So it's all the really little things that kind of make the student athlete experience go round. I do all that kind of background work. It's not always a very glamorous job, but it's a really rewarding one. And I also think it's different every day, which is a pretty cool thing. It's not very monotonous. I mean, like I said, there are days sometimes when I'm working on a report day in, day out to get it done, but so many days it's different. And I go into a day and I have a plan and kids stop by my office and I, I get kind of sidetracked on that. So it's a lot of behind the scenes work. It's not necessary to have a law degree to do what I do. Although I do find that, like I said, the skill set really matches up. It is definitely helpful in getting a job to have a higher level of education and be able to show kind of the, not just how hardworking you are, but that you have studied a number of different areas that could make you valuable to a department. So yeah, I would say it's, it's all that background work that not very glamorous, you don't really hear much about unless... Unless you've made a mistake, that's when they will come after you on ESPN for sure. <laughs> but it's a really enjoyable career and it, you feel sometimes like you're really making a difference. Having been an athlete and knowing now what I know about what goes into getting kids eligible and keeping them eligible and having a really healthy experience, I appreciate so much more what, what coaches and administrators have done. Because like I said, it's, it's not always this glamorous world that we live in. We had talked too about, you know, advice to 
give people who might be interested in this field. And there's a quote that I always go back to every time that I change jobs. And I'll read it to you if you don't mind. I found it in my book. I'm a big Giants fan. I'm a New York Giants fan, which, you know, that means that I'm a good. I know it is. And it just means I'm not a Fairweather fan. So it was in Victor Cruz's book. And I literally, I think of it all the time. And I thought of it every time I changed jobs. So he says, you can't wait for your chance. You can't expect it. You have to earn it. And when you do, it's always with the help of others. So when you do get your shot, you carry on your shoulders, the responsibility of validating the sacrifices everyone's made for you, the faith everyone has in you and the trust you have in yourself to make the most of it. And I always think of that when I go from job to job, because I've had such wonderful mentors and I've had people who have stuck their neck out for me. And I just hope that I can continue to do that for the next generation of people who want to come work in athletics. This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded remotely and engineered in the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band. 